oh, I didn't do it that way because the policy didn't say it. Or I, I didn't do anything because there was no policy that dictated how I was supposed to do it. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less every day. From the brink of sanity, my name is Chris Tonkinson. And recording live from the basement of the Ivory Tower, my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 117 for October 6, 2023. Are you a fan of garlic stuffed olives? Because I, like, I'm obsessed. This is my... That's I, I, I get, that is random. You're right. <laughs> Am I the only, I can't be the only one. You can't, uh, I mean, garlic stuffed olives are 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 quite, uh, well, wait a minute, garlic stuffed olives? I don't know if I've had a garlic stuffed olive. I've had them with like goat cheese or, you know, feta, jalapeno. you know, feta, feta stuffed olives and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever had one stuffed with a, with a chunk of garlic before. I don't, I don't typically go for the cheese. Mozzarella, I think is a nice mild, uh, kind of takes on the flavor of its environment. So you're uh, a cheese I prefer wimp. You're a cheese wimp. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. I don't, I don't go much for like the super hard cheeses and stuff. Um, You don't go hardcore on the uh, the cheeses, no. No, My my wife loves brie. She's 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 big on the the brie. Brie is delicious. Smoked gouda is probably one of my favorites. A good smoked. I like. I like a good. Yeah, I like a like a smoked cheddar. Mm -hmm. Smoked cheddar would be is good. Yeah, Uh, Colby Jack. Uh, man. All right. So uh, why are we talking about cheese good- and, and garlic and olives exactly? I, I mean, like, okay. So yeah, I, I would try it. I've never had it, but I would try it. Oh, what, why, okay. why are we talking about this? Well, because they're delicious. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no, I don't really have. You know, if you're looking for the like insights no into payoff. the mind That's of an it. insane it's person, no, like, there's no payoff, not huh, at all. Okay, there's nothing, nothing to be gained there. Yeah, you we might as well, well be talking. Until everyone died. Yeah, good job. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what game is that from? <laughs> That's as Futurama. This is a TV show. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so no, I, I have I have not had I have not had those. Uh, I will have to try them. Do they come in a jar? Like, is it a? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Nice. Garlic. I, I'm also uh, jalapeno stuffed. If you're a fan of the of the spice, I have um, had the spice. Yeah, those the stuffed jalapenos. Good. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I said that because I needed time to get my head together. Uh, because <laughs> nice film. <laughs> you know, good job. Yeah, right. It was smooth. I thought very smooth. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Um, sorry, it's the it's the it's the aura. It's the the office feel now that it has 100 percent more titanium in it. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard oh, about the news of our Lord and Savior Apple, uh, who invented titanium. Yeah, yeah, we 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 have discussed. Yes, as we discussed at length last week. Okay, <laughs> Sa- spare me, preacher. All right, yeah, save it for yeah. Sunday. Such a such nonsense. Um, no, so I've been spending a lot of time lately uh, thinking about documentation, and not not like software documentation. Um, not like the stuff you write about your software, but documenting. Because we talked a couple of weeks ago um, also about uh, the GitLab handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had an internal initiative for the last couple of weeks surrounding like standardizing our processes. So we have some long, stupid, 
boring, exhaustive, enterprise-level policy and procedure documents in a library that get ignored once a year and then rubber-stamped by somebody so that we can say that we have them and they're updated. Mm -hmm. um, that being a little facetious, like we do actually look at them, but it's super painful and nobody actually references them day to day. And so it's like, yeah, we have to have them. We do. Our practices are congruent with them, but like it's not a value add. It's more of a box check, I, I feel like, it, at most times. Gotcha. Do not cite the deep magic to me, which I was there when it was written. It's that kind of stuff. You were, it's that you were holding stuff. on to that one, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, I, what, what we've been trying to do is actually make that more practical and put it in front of contributors' faces more. And uh, so we're going about this exercise of standardizing basically – creating SDLC, SSDLC standards, right? We have them technically. They're in these long S documents. SDLC? Hold, hold, hold on a second. Hey, phrasing! I, I have heard SDLC, Software Development Lifecycle. It's just a, a prefixing secure. Okay. Yeah. No, we're adding secure to it. Secure Software right. Development Lifecycle. Right. It's okay. like DevSecOps, right? DevSecFinBizOps. Yeah, I, you know... I, I don't like this. I don't like this prefixing, suffixing, interfixing, I guess, in the term of DevSecOps. <laughs> I think that's the right term. Yeah. Interfix? Intrafix? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I would adding, say, adding it, secure well, well, it depends. Are, is it, is it, is if DevOps is one unified word and we are injecting something into the middle, it would be, I think, intrafixing. Intrafix. But if you think about those two as separate word components, it would be between and them and putting them together, and it would be interfix. Look at the, you know, this is the, the, the grammar um, hour on the Refactor podcast this is, here. Yeah, yeah. This Look. Week in Grammar. Leo Laporte should hire us yeah, to do really, This Week in Grammar. <laughs> um, I don't like this attaching security to everything, and not because it's not important. But because, but because it already should it be should there, be right? It should be there, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, this is not a... The more we call it out and make it its own unique thing, the less... Then the more it's then the, the more it's somebody else's job and yeah, I don't have to worry about it. it becomes, right? right, it becomes its own defined yeah. space with its own team and its own focused, you know, technician of some kind. You know, it's some it's a responsibility on a chart. And it, but that's not... Security's the thing that just kind of... It should just pervade. It's like the force. It should surround us and penetrate us and bind us. It's, that's what it should do. We don't need to really go into much penetration on this show, I think. But I agree in it's principle with your... That's a Star Wars quote. Come on now. Get your head out of the gutter. Uh, it never left. anywhere. Um, so anyway, SSDLC. No, you're right. So the SDLC... Like and so, uh, I was curious uh, if you've gone through this exercise in recent years... Um, I thought it'd be a good discussion. Like how, how granular do you get with this? Right. So there are a couple mm. of things that we're touching uh, in this standard and the standards meant we're just throwing it into confluence. It's meant to be approachable. It's meant to be referenceable. So if somebody has a question about how to do something right, link to the section of the standard that talks about the thing that you're doing, right. It should be that kind of a thing. Um, you know, pull requests open in, in theory, although it's not Git, uh, but you know, it, it, so, some of the things we're covering, right? So there's some project management stuff, right? If we're going to take on a project, capital P, I'm not even going to bike shed, like what, what qualifies a project, right? But assume you have a project, capital P, then there are a couple of things that we need to be able to see. We need to be able to see some sort of evidence around requirements and analysis, right? There's going to be something that specifies what victory looks like for this mission. 
And then there's got to be some sort of design architecture. There's got to, I, I need to see, probably there are visuals that carry a lot of the water here, but I need to see kind of a comprehensive idea of how this fits into the environment or how it changes the environment, right? So there's got to be some design or architecture evidence there that we can work at as a team, not because we want to satisfy some policy, but because until somebody wrote it down, it is so easy to miscommunicate. It's so easy for me to say one thing, for you to interpret another, for us to agree, go our separate ways and come back together in a sprint or two with something with, with bricks that don't interlock, right? And so we just want to be specific. We want to know that we've done our diligence there. Um, and that's, that's, there's some, there's some project stuff. There's some, some get stuff. So we've got some folks on the team who are, uh, younger in the industry or else in adjacent industry. So we have some folks that are not traditional software developers that are actually having to interact with Git. So great. We're going to, we're going to document our standards for Git, right? First of all, use it. Second of all, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't even have in there. I have a quote. If it's not in Git, it doesn't exist, right? That's, um, so yep. simple, simple rules. Hey, here's branch naming conventions. Here are the expectations around PRs, you know, tofu scale stuff, right? And then ending with tags, right? How do we use tags? Where and why? That's a, that's a document. And it goes into about that much detail. Here's how you name a feature branch, right? Lower kebab case, whatever it is. So I'm curious. And then there's some other, there's some other things we go into, right? So there's quality assurance and, and release management, and then kind of operational support would be the last bucket. Um, uh, and there's some other things around it, but like, have you, have you done something similar where like there were there were standards that either everybody knew and did it away, but nobody bothered to write them down, and so it became an issue of tribal knowledge and subject to sort of temporal drift, uh, or or because I'm trying to figure out like what is the right level of granularity in some cases. Um, with Git, it's really easy because there's just a very few simple concrete rules that you write right, down. Yeah. But if I'm trying to explain what is the correct level of rigor for some kind of project documentation, if I'm trying to describe uh, in a standard, we're calling it a standard with a capital S, right? We're saying this is the standard and everything must meet it. So in like quality assurance, okay, have unit tests, make them runnable. They should run in CI. Like that's, that's kind of it, right? Like, you go much farther and you get into, well, but this project doesn't have this. And no, oh, well, what about coverage? And like, you don't want to go off bike shedding. I'm, I'm curious if you've gone through anything like this. Yeah, I've done, I've done documentation efforts like this to define policies and procedures for, for, you know, teams and projects and, and, uh, both technical things like, like repository commits and things like that. Non-technical stuff too, uh, how to how and when to interact and engage with clients and, and, you know, doing yeah. you know, con consultative type of standards and things like that. My feeling is that you, if you, if you're aware of something that you want to standardize, it should be written down. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm big on, um, there's a book called uh, the E-Myth Revisited. Oh, that's a good um, one. Is that so, uh, Gerber, I think? I forget the name of the author off the top of my head, but the book itself, the E-Myth, E-Myth is, uh, I'll look it up since we'll give the guy some credit to the massive. I'm I'm fairly factor. certain that is actually already a recommend. It is. And it, it is, is uh, Michael E. Gerber. Yeah, yep. it was Gerber. Yeah, you were right. You're usually pretty good for that stuff to remember that crap. That I was referenced heard. in episode 20. Yeah, way back, way back. Going so, back a ways. Good, good to... Um, Good, good to reference. 
anyway, um, the, uh, the, the, the spoiler on that is that whether you're, regardless of your size, you know, the myth of the, you know, the entrepreneur, you, you, you build your, you build processes the same way, whether you're, you know, one person or two or 20 or a hundred, if there's something that you need to be repeatable, you write it down and then it mm-hmm. becomes a reference point for whomever comes after you. So if there are things that you want repeated, write them down. If there's a thing that allows for, you know, some variability, write that down. And if there's a thing where it's like, okay, this has got to get done, but I really don't care how, or, you know, changing the how really doesn't impact the outcome, then I would say, don't write it down. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the way I think about it. But more generally, when you're going through a it sounds like you're going through a top-down exercise of trying to just capture all the things is, is, is yeah. what it sounds like. Okay. So in that case, I mean, you're going to want to, you're going to want to move fast and hit high notes and you'll probably do it in a couple of, couple of rounds. And oh, it's so, definitely a breadth first exercise. Right. And sure. so you do it in a couple of iterations. And so you focus on just the absolute high notes. Others come through and they add things that maybe you didn't think of. Um, or, you know, they read it and it prompts them to think, oh, well, what about this situation? Okay, good. Let's capture that. And my, my point is progressively over time, the natural state of that kind of documentation of process and policy documentation is to get more verbose, is to get yeah. more. Um, it matures. It matures and it gets more fine grained and fine tuned. You know, we were talking about the GitLab handbook and how it has something like 11 billion pages in it at this point. Like they did not start with 11 billion pages. It's just, it grew and mature mm-hmm. and got more and more specific. You just have to be careful about when you flip and you go in the other direction of, you know, writing down things to be useful. And now you're writing down things in a very uh, dogmatic, legalistic kind of way. You know, oh, you can't do this because the policy says it. Well, no, what does the situation call for? The policy's there to support the situation, not the other way around. And so yeah, that, how many, I don't know how many times I've, even in the last week, how many times I've said that the, the policies serve us, not, not the inverse, right? Exactly. That, like, exactly. So you have to, and I think, to, and that's where I, that's where I get into the, the tug of war that that's where, that's where I think there's a real, um, like there's a real countervailing to try to write down all the things like, no, this is the standard. So a it's base level. Right. This is not everything we're always ever going to do. Always. Right. This is the minimum viable standard so that we can have effective group uh, productivity. Right. Yeah. Um, The absolute concrete do's and don'ts are here. Um, Now, I do use, um, I don't capitalize them. And I should probably add this as a line in the standard, like a meta thing. I use RFC, whatever it is. interpretations of must may should should uh, not yeah may not like i i do use those words very specifically um mm-hmm. i'll link that i'll link that in the show notes in case uh, somebody's unfamiliar there's an rfc that basically defines how rfcs should be raised super meta um but th- those those are defined terms. They mean what you probably think they mean, but it's good to write them down because you may not know what they mean specifically. Yeah. Um it's enough of it's enough of a of a pitfall that the RFC standard actually, if you read most RFCs, they actually all caps those words when they come up. The the shall, the must, the should, because yeah. of the implication of what they um what they mean. I mean, it changes 
the it use of those words changes yeah. the context around yeah. them significantly. And so yeah. it's really important. Yeah. The other thing that I'll say uh, when doing these kinds of processes kind of, kind of related to the, you know, the, the dogmatic thing and, you know, the policy supports the, the process, not the other way around um, is that it's whatever the documentation is, it should be what, what is true today. Um, mm-hmm. It should be a, so if something changes today, then, then we've learned something new. We change the policy. The policy is different tomorrow. It really should be just that quick and easy. You shouldn't have to wait for a review process or a review board. I mean, you should, you should discuss these things, but it should not be a really protracted effort. Think agile fail forward. Okay, here's the situation. This makes sense. Change the policy, move on. You find out even more new information about the change you made tomorrow, then you change it again and you just keep yeah. iterating like that. There has to be there has to be some over, if you're calling it a standard that everybody's got to adhere to, changes can have wide consequences. So there's got to be Depends some kind of oversight, right? But this should not be like an act of Congress, right? I mean, yeah. That, yeah. It shouldn't it shouldn't be that. And you shouldn't you shouldn't hold that stuff either. Like the pain point should not persist just because of the need to update the well, the, the policy. The policy. Like it, it, you know, the loop there should be, this is not, think agile, don't think waterfall for this kind of stuff. Um, Cause it's not something that needs to, you know, you, you don't need to buy inventory. You don't need to invest in equipment <laughs> yeah. here. It, it, it should be of all the things in your, in your world that can be variable. The human activity is, I mean, that's, that's like the most flexible yeah. and variable. And, and so you should, represent that should be represented in your policy to do anything else is just going to handcuff somebody at some point to something that would that is slow frustrating inefficient costly etc um, yeah i i do see i do see a lot of people get hung up on that kind of stuff and and in both directions not just oh well the, the, this the policy doesn't say that we can do that there's that direction but then i also see Oh, well, we don't have a written policy for that. So we can't do the thing because we don't have yeah. a written policy. That's more of a big like, organization thing. But I also see it in small orgs with leadership that came from big orgs. We've talked about this before where you get somebody who is very inculcated in capital E enterprise business oh, goings yeah. on. And then they, mm-hmm. they end up, they find themselves in a smaller organization, sub say a hundred people. And all the big convoluted process and policy stuff that that a big organization needs because of all the people they try and do in these smaller. Why? Like you're you're mm-hmm. you're wasting time yeah. and cycles. Get out of the way. That. Yeah. So just get out <laughs> like, of your own way. Get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Um. So I so it goes in both directions that you need to you know don't don't be wedded to a policy because it's be written down and don't don't be completely frozen because you don't have a written policy either. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, the little bit of. Well, the right sequence of events is probably, okay, the policy, we don't have a policy on that. Okay. But does any of the existing policy you say you can't do this thing? So then go do it in good faith, right? I mean, you got to have your wits about you, but go do the thing. 
And then let's see what you learned. And then once mm -hmm. we've done it once or twice, let's add this to the policy so that we have a standard baseline. Again, not trying to capture every nuance of every interaction, but like set the reasonable baseline, the things that you know you're going to hit or you know people are going to ask questions about. And then go from there, right? And iterate. Yeah. And that's the key. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to set this out. We're going to set it all up once. And then we are going to iterate. We got to keep... It, this is why I love, uh, we've talked before about the C4 model of architectural diagramming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why I love C4 so much. The trade-off is, no, it doesn't cover everything. It doesn't cover every interaction. It doesn't cover every dependency. It does not cover every persona and every system and every component and every protocol and port and server. And, and it's not meant to, because if you did, you would have something that you would literally, like practically, you couldn't keep it updated with reality. And it would age and then it would be legacy, and then it would be useless. And you spent all of this time for something that's out of date a quarter later. I see these these policy documents the same. I see the standards. All the time. Can't, yeah. can't call it a policy. I, I can call it a standard. Uh, the same way, it's it's got to be terse enough. It's got to be direct and pointed enough that when things change, that gets changed in accordance with reality. Mm -hmm. Or it's small enough that we make the change before we do the thing, right? Order doesn't really matter there. Right. The important, the important thing is that that reflects reality. Yeah. I like to, um, in, in, at the front of these documents, uh, I like to uh, just call out the, uh, call out and emphasize the, the use your headness, you know, like, mm -hmm. the use your common senses. Uh, my, my, my latest go-to, because I, I really want it to grab people's attention so that they, and, and make sure that they know is to somewhere in that. Zinger incoming. It, yeah. I'll say grown ass adult. Like that's the, that's mm -hmm. the, like you are a grown ass adult. Act like it. Like use your damn head. Don't, yep. don't just blindly and stupidly yeah. follow or not follow a thing or just sit on your hands. Cause there's no policy. Like use your noggin, get work done. That's going to get you way further than just, oh, I didn't do it that way because the policy didn't say it. Or I, I didn't do anything because there was no policy that dictated how I was supposed to do it. That, yeah. that kind of I'm so sorry. HR is here with nuts. me on the call. Today will be your last at the organization. I guess <laughs> I, if somebody ever came at me with that kind of garbage. I, yeah. But, you, but then you get it. But see, the thing is, in a larger organization, that that kind of thinking is actually... It's almost it's rewarded. It's rewarded and it's survivalist style thinking. No, it's, it's, so I don't it's want directly to directly incentivized yes. in, in large enough organizations. So I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to razz people who think that way too much because they've been in a lot of situations that they've been trained and rewarded for that kind of behavior or they've been punished for doing what exactly what yeah. I'm describing. I, the point is to call that out at the start so that everybody yeah. understands it. It's 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 twofold. There is the the person has to understand that they can and should use their heads. It's also a callback in the other direction for management. Don't punish people for showing initiative. Don't yeah. punish people for having an idea and moving on it. That's to be rewarded. And maybe it didn't go the direction you wanted, which is fine. We can correct it. But the act of the initiative and you know, making a decision with the information that they have at the time that's a good thing that we want that we, we should yeah. encourage that places that don't are just, I mean, those kinds because of that teams are I mean, that, toxic. 
that demonstrates the purest form of 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 uh, responsibility, of sense of ownership, of of engagement. That's right. That, that's got to be rewarded. You could you could make a case in, in a you could make a philosophical case that in a perfect world, the entire policy could be just that thing. You're a grown ass adult. Act like it. And that would be, oh, in theory, man. that would be enough because it would mean, yeah. okay, am I following a, am I following a well-trod path here? I'm going to continue to follow the path. Is this a new path? Okay, well, I'm going to figure it out and then I'm going to share my learnings with others. You know, like that's, yeah. it's really, it's, it's, it's not just the cornerstone. It's really the foundation of all this. other. Everything we write on top of that is to cover human error and, and just the flaw and, 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 yeah. you know, human imperfection. But if everyone could just do that, it, you wouldn't need to write any of this crap. <laughs> no, and that's really where it comes from. It, individual imperfection is one thing, but the compound imperfection of a group of people is where, where you get into trouble. <laughs> that's right. None right? of us is as dumb as all of us. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's, all, it's all that consulting. Actually, that reminds me. There's, I, a, there's an old office quote. You talk about those demotivational posters. There's mm -hmm. an old office quote. Yeah. Like, uh, Michael said to me, uh, don't be an idiot, Dwight. And that was the best advice ever because when I'm about to do something, I think to myself, would an idiot do this? And if the answer is yes, then I do not do that thing. <laughs> Very true. Very you know, but those demotivational pigs, some of them go through my mind uh, or I'm like, okay, oh yeah, that's that poster. Okay, so we're not doing that. <laughs> like that's a... <laughs> yeah, and that actually... Um it reminds me because I'm actually using one of those. Uh, the, the 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 one I quoted was the meetings demotivator. The uh, meetings. Yeah. None of us is as dumb as all of us. As dumb as all. And I'm of actually us. using that in that pre in a presentation that I have coming up later this month. And it, it the section that that is in relates to um, the cybersecurity frameworks. Now we talked about some of these standards and 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 following them them before. Um, but it just, you know, what we're talking about kind of dovetails here. We, we talked about cybersecurity frameworks more broadly as like what they are and, you, you, you know, pros and cons and things like that. But um, I, um, it just made me think of the, um, uh, the f application of them, the, the, the recommendation that I'm, I'm making in this, in this presentation when it comes to these frameworks is uh, talking about how when it comes to doing the framework, just check the box. Like, like you know, get the thing done. Understand, you know, what uh, you know. Recognize it for what it is. It's a it's a means to an end, and it's useful to, uh, you know, you got to have the you know you got to have the piece of paper. You know, sometimes you know you got you got to yeah. have the diploma. You got to have the license. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so if it's a thing, you got to check a box to get into a certain client or a certain industry vertical or, or whatever, that's most of why those things exist. And so take it for what it is. If there's useful information in it, because a lot of them do have good practical stuff, take yeah. it, apply it, learn from it. But in terms of the, like the effort itself, you know, don't like, don't look at it dogmatically, you know, cause it is like th these, these frameworks are, a, are a policy. Don't look at them dogmatically. Just hire somebody who knows these these things and can get you all the paper, can do all that all that written papery crap, and they can just focus on that. Outsource the effort. Your team doesn't get disrupted, 
but they could still benefit from whatever implementation changes they have to take to make policy wise. Um, and so, um, it just made me, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, policy and things like that. And it just made me think, you know, this is a good example of, of where it's, it exists and you have to be careful with how, how much you tie all of your mental thinking to it. I was like, oh, the policy says this, or the policy doesn't say that. What, what, who oh cares? my gosh. Use your okay. damn head. We need, a, like a legitimate- I need a set. I'm going to make this request right here and now. I need a segment jingle for referencing NIST Special Publication 800-63B, Section 5.1.1.2, which expressly states that verifiers should not require memorized secrets to be changed arbitrarily. That's a great example, right? Mm -hmm. It's in the policy that we have to make people force to change their passwords, even though we know it degrades our overall security posture, both individually and in aggregate. But the policy says so. And why isn't it updated? Because, well, that policy only gets reviewed every five years, and it's based on something that gets reviewed every three years, and the cycles don't align. So we're using nine-year-old information, and everybody knows it's idiotic, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. Because... Somebody wrote it down somewhere and it's like, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's right there. I could see it written down. So why, why wouldn't I do it? You know, because that, you're not going to get your gold star if you can't show that you adhere to all of the things in the policy. and back to these yeah. large organizations, just incentivizing this type of mindless behavior. I think that's why people don't like working for big companies because there's just the incentive structures cause dishumanity. I don't know what to call it. Like, well, like I, you, you, you are robbed. I think you, you are essentially when the organization gets big enough. I think each individual agent in the organization is essentially robbed of the. You're a grown ass adult. Use agency. your best judgment. Yeah. Right? Use your agency. I, I think it's. Hmm. I think you're right. I think, but there are people. There's a type of person that gets attracted to that environment precisely because they don't have to think about it, and it doesn't. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense necessarily. So, for example, um, I have worked with, um, I can think of a couple of guys from my old engineering teams that were really good. They were good engineers. But all they did uh, minimizes it. What they did was. No, go ahead and go ahead and flame them inappropriately. No, I don't want to because I actually like them and they're really good at what they do. and, And this is a this is a valid um, respectable way to approach your yeah. work. I think, uh, we called them rocks. You know, this, this, you know, this guy, I'm John, it's, it's not anyone's real name. John, John's a rock. He just like, he shows up at eight, he comes in, whatever task you give him, he gets it done. And then he's back to you asking for the next task. And he just, yeah. he's just solid as a rock steady, but that's it. There's no, there's none of that go get them-ness. There's, there's, there's a very lot of people, minimal amount of the grown ass adult, use your own head incentivizing, but that's because uh, of who I, I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying I'm just, you give me a job to do, I'll do it. And, and that's fine. What I, what I have found was that for the good ones, the ones that are not actually, you know, just being brain dead, that's just not their life focus. They, they have a job it pays the bills. Can I can I fight you on this? You want to fight me on this? Okay. Well, let me. Okay. Can I'll, we? Fight? I'll do the bell. Yeah. All right. I'll do the bell. Let me finish, and then you finish can, your thought. Uh, finish you your thought, and then we'll fight. Right. 
So they, they come in, they do their thing, they're diligent about it, but there really isn't any uh, emotional or mental buy-in beyond that. It's just a job and they do their thing and they come in and they leave because that's really not where their uh, emotional energy and investment is. It, it, it's usually for those kinds of people, it's somewhere outside the organization. I, you know, I really like my family. I really like fishing or hunting or something. You know, their 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 life's passion is elsewhere. They they see the job day to day, the eight to five, as just that. An eight to five means to an end, and they'll do it. But there's you know, like you know, if I if I don't have this job, I'll go and find another one. I've got a set of skills, and I will you know ply my trade on them so that I can go off and do the things that I really want to do. And so I'm not saying it's, it can be a fine line, but I have seen people walk it very well. People who I would hire again with the understanding that, okay, you're going to be a guy and I'm just going to hand you crap and I'm just going to keep handing you crap and you're just going to keep knocking it out. And that's totally fine. So that's where I agreed I'm at. entirely. Okay. We're not actually fighting here. I've realized. Uh, okay. Well, what did you think? You're, was you're making, on? you're making a different point. Right. Okay, Your well, point there is that is and you and I think everybody who's, who's been around more than a minute knows who these rock people are. And they are. I just I want more of them. They're phenomenal people. Um, they're really good. And they don't cause trouble. They tend to be pretty quiet in, in meetings and stuff. They want to like, show up. What you do, do a good job and I go did. home. Leave. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Show up, work, leave. There's nothing wrong with this. Mud. But what you're describing there is somebody that doesn't have the entrepreneurial itch, who's not a ladder climber, who's not uh, seeking advancement in in the workplace sort of professionally, that's different than somebody who's using their brain. And I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm working a factory line. There's some, there's, it's a machine shop. And the policy says uh, that if somebody's uh, hair, article of clothing, uh, jewelry, anything like this gets caught in a machine, you got to push the big red button and stop the line because it's a safety issue. And then somebody winds up through whatever circumstance getting their earlobe caught in a machine. You're going to push the button. Policy doesn't say anything about flaps of useless skin, mm -hmm. but you're going to push the button, right? right. That, is that is a different mindset than somebody who's just showing up, well, policy says I shouldn't do that, so I'm going to ignore the person whose head is getting creamed and I'm just going to fuck. No, yeah. like not, not having sort of not, I mean, I'm going to say these, these are overgeneralizations of the point of criminality, but separating ambition from common sense because they are different okay. things. Yeah. Because I have known a bunch of these rocks. They want to show up, do their job, and go home. And again, I think you said it bet. I, I know exactly I like in my memory who they were, and I would hire each and every one of them again without without question. Yeah. Um, you would hire them to be the rock. You wouldn't hire them to be your right. C- whatever whatever oh yeah you would you yeah. wouldn't do that because that's not the type of personality and that's fine you know because they they but they right but that's they do. different they do than somebody well. not having common sense yes applying policies and procedures True. so they're kind of like unrelated okay so you thought i was going in the direction of of people who were like good enough but not in, not showing good common sense that's what you originally thought right. i was doing like just okay. not paying attention or not yeah like, yeah, so. yeah 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 no it, uh, it's not it's it's definitely not that it's definitely not that at all. It's uh, just a lack of interest beyond the stuff that you're that you're handing me. You know, if I I mean, if you wanted to look at it on the on the on a in a slightly, if you wanted to add the 
the negative connotation to it just to draw the better, you know, color the picture. This this type of person would not be the first one to say, go and clean the office bathroom because, you know, it's an office of 10 people and, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't have cleaners and, you know, somebody's got to scrub the toilet. That person is probably not going to be the first one to line up and do the do it voluntarily. But if you then told him, hey, I need you to go clean that toilet. Usually they just go and do it because you ask them to do it. It's just another task on the list. I go and check that off and then I get on to the next thing. Right. But still, that's different from somebody who's a grown ass adult applying their human discretion to novel situations that are not covered by the policy. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. You you said something. I I feel like that was really smart there and I want to... you, somebody who is not using their common sense for something that is not covered by Paul. Oh, okay. You're saying about the the person who didn't put who didn't push the red button, didn't push the line, the emergency stop button on the line or, because of the or, rope. or you know, here's an example. Uh, I have this. Um, uh, you know, we have this policy, and, and the, the first one to be completed was the the one on on Git because it's just it writes itself, right? It's super easy. Um, and what I put in there, okay, so, you know, feature and release branches, we know we're going to have them. We're going to have mm-hmm. a convention for those, right? Right. And then I have this other thing that says other branches. Well, if you need to group sets of changes in some other, if you need some other type of container to group related changes, go ahead and make other branches. That's It's not outside the scope of this policy to go at, like, not every branch has to be a story or a feature, uh, a release or a feature branch, right? You can go and make other branches. If you have an epic and you want to group things into an epic branch, like you can, this is a, like the principles here are simple and recursive. So you can create whatever branches you want. If you need to do something novel, just agree with the other people that are doing the work before you start about what the rules of the road are. And then there's not going to be a problem. And you're not in violation of the policy. Like I almost left that paragraph out because I thought it was obvious that like, yeah, we have release branches, we have sprint branches, uh, feature branch, whatever it is. Uh, and if you need other branches, you're just going to go make them and you're going to come up with it. And I was like, eh. but I should probably say that you you're allowed to do no, this. You should definitely say it. And, and when you do it, do whatever you and the people that are directly involved agree to before the game begins, right? Set the rules before the game starts. And then you're not in violation of the policy. And then I even went further and I said, and if you find yourself using different types of branches, not just release or feature, but if you find yourself using other types of branches routinely, consider contributing those back to this policy so that we can all have an agreed to way of doing this. And it's not an ad hoc thing every time. Yeah. Right. And and that was a case where I, I went out of my way to be explicit, try to provide the agent like you can do. This is not like what is in this policy is not the universe of possibility. Like go use your discretion and intelligence to solve novel problems. I'm not trying to predict all possible futures here. Um, I think that it, I, um, you're you're positioning this as additional additive uh, instruction in a, in a, in a, in a positive constructive manner is additional detail in your policy, but that's not actually how I'm thinking about what you're saying. When, when, when oh. you, the way you describe, I mean, it, that is what it is. Like you are writing this in the policy. Don't get me wrong, but I actually, I mentally bucket that in the, um, in, in uh, paving. Uh, I've talked before about how you want a wide open paved, a very wide paved road for, 
communication and you want, you need to, as a, as a leader, you need to go way beyond what you think you need to do in order to encourage the kind of behavior, Mm. like the default posture of an employee is going to be defensive. I don't want to piss off my boss. I don't want to lose my job. They think about it in the negative. It's a very, Mm -hmm. right. So you're going to be deferential and things like that. And so for this kind of stuff, like what you're describing, that to me, yeah, you're writing it down the policy, fine. But it's more about making sure that that road is like super wide and they know that I like I have this space. It's super big and comfortable and I don't need to worry about it. I've talked about before about, you know, you really want those communication doors to be wide open. Mm-hmm. You want it. You want absolutely no question in anyone's mind that, the, you know, it is OK to ask questions. It is OK to challenge. It is OK to have uh, an ulterior, um, an alternative approach to Uh the thing. And that, that to me is what you're actually doing. You're actually just making sure that they know like all this stuff. This is, this is all, this is all good. And, and you, you can and should do that. And it feels like you said it yourself. I almost didn't write it down. You, yeah. you actually, yep. you know, yep. it, it almost, yeah. it seems self-evident, but when you but. put yourself in the position of being the, the direct report underneath of a, t- a team or a manager or something like that, you're not like your default posture is going to be defensive. You're not going to yeah. want to be the one who stands out and screws up. And, and so when, you have to go and out when of you your make way assumptions say, like that, right, when you, you assume Frank looks like an ass, right? That's the that's the old <laughs> saying. I'm pretty sure word for word. <laughs> Is my last name on that one too? Like, did you actually see my name quoted on it? Like word for word? I did, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm actually the third. So it, you might be taught. You, you might are have been the one about my grandfather. If you're not. You are. Yeah. You are of a third. Yeah. True. <laughs> so that, you know. When you when you said I almost didn't write down. No, you definitely want to. That's yeah. the well, that and, is, I, and I actually double down d- later. Not only on. is like, oh, uh, maybe I, I, do I need to write that down? If you're thinking, hmm, do I need to write that down? You definitely need to write that down because you're you're likely in this space of you're taking it as self evident because you're in a position where you're for, for for this policy or this rule or whatever you're beholden to yourself a lot of times. Like if you're the guy in charge, you know you don't really think about. It. But if you have anyone underneath of you, the things that you take as self-evident, nobody else is going to take a self-evident. Nobody's going to do that unless you actually say, this is okay. Like, here is all this field. It's okay to run around it. I'm not talking about all of it. I'm just saying, like, this is all good. And, you know, when- when And even if you say it- even if you say it out loud in the way that makes sense to you, that doesn't make sense to them. You've got to repeat it several times in several different ways with examples till yeah. you drive the point home, right? And even later on in the document, I, I remember thinking that. I was like, yeah, that was really useful. And when I went on and said, okay, well, the standard includes one uh, nomenclature for tags, right? Um, and I even yeah. went out of my way to say other tags may be used, but this is the format to do this thing that the standard cares about right now. Right. And it was, again, like, I got us, like, I just had that compulsion. You just got to leave say, the door open. You got to keep pushing yeah. the door open. Mentally, yeah. they're going to close it. You just keep pushing it open and pushing it open. Yeah. And eventually it sticks. And eventually you get some, some sense of tribal uh, 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 cultural awareness within, within your team mm-hmm. or your organization to recognize, you know, you won't have to say you you say it enough times and you write it enough times that the team 
collectively buys into it. And then when somebody is, oh, I don't know, you know, th- then they go and talk to somebody else and they say, yeah, no, that's totally fine. They're like, you should do mm-hmm. that. And, and at that point, it's it's more self-perpetuating, it, but it takes Right, work. and it survives you not being in that meeting. Right, it survives right. you actually not being there to to say the thing, but you, to, but to get yeah. there, it's just like- It's a lot of work. And you're the CRO, you're the chief repeating officer for chief your team. Chief repeating officer. Like if you have people reporting to you, you are the chief repeating officer of those people. Yep. Hundred percent true. Hundred and ten percent true. Um, that's, that's that's mathematically uh, nonsensical. But I, I, I mean, I, that's 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 how my don't don't one hundred percent true. It could be zero percent true. I don't know that there's. Don't deny my truth, here. Chris. Okay, this is <laughs> this is my so math. In, we, we do. We live in a post post truth world, right? So. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, you know what? I don't know why they lump. Everybody's always uh, the the local school curricular always lump proofs in with geometry, and I always found that to be less than tactful. I, for one, I you know I I loved loved math in school. I was very good at it. Um, hated proofs. Couldn't stand. I couldn't stand them. They were mm. just. I they were just anathema. I the viral. The, the just uh, not viral. Um, what's the word I was looking for? Vile to me vile uh, okay that muddied muddied the experience of these poor kids in shapes just because of proofs <laughs> why are we talking about this <laughs> get back on topic because you thought about get back on i topic. don't know what you were <laughs> uh i want to come back I, I made a mental note uh when we were talking I, I did the uh the sidebar rant on how we add security to all the things you know because oh, it, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. evident before and, and mm-hmm. it is evident now I was exposed to a uh, there's a, a a new a newer initiative. Uh, it was th- through. Um, have you heard the term data care? Have you heard that term before? Data care. That's data care. One. That's a new one. Okay. So I, I'm not sure how how broad this is yet. Um, from a from a marketing standpoint, though, that's good. It is good. So, so that's good. So I was I was introduced to this through one of uh, my company's investors. Uh, his name is Ron Gula. He he runs uh, Gula uh, Tech Ventures. Uh, he was the founder of Tenable. Some of the audience might recognize okay. Tenable. Uh, he sold that they went IPO. He's a gajillionaire, and he has his own. Yeah. He he does his own, his own early spaceship. stage investment uh, now, and. He's his whole shtick is in cybersecurity, and uh, his he has been pushing personally. And so I talked with him about it. So I don't know how much broader it goes from him, but I really like this idea. It's really cool. The idea is that it replaced the term cybersecurity with the term data care. It is deliberately similar mm. to healthcare because that speaks to the triad it, that triad that's why i like it it's, speaks it's really to you know, like it's everybody's responsibility it's just kind of it, it perpetuates itself across you know the 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 doctor the patient the um the providers yeah. of of the technology and the tools and and the, the, the device the, the network topology the, the team and, structures and all the, of that. you know the data that you store and like it just it it like it just works and his his thinking is that cybersecurity as a term doesn't do that. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 cybersecurity feels super technical and super arcane. And it just doesn't it, it doesn't. Um, we t- I mean, we talked about Hugh Jackman a couple of weeks ago, right? Like, that's what it that's what. 
Yeah, exactly. And so um, I love the example he gave was uh, was great. If you ask somebody about the security of their company, like what their company does for security, they'll reference some tool, some policy, some, you know, something like that. And you'll get a completely different style of answer if you ask them about how they keep their personal bank information secure. Like, it's the same thing. It's the same stuff. And yet the way we think about our personal information, our personal security, like we would think and feel and defend that differently than we would, uh, you know, the company stuff. And so he's making a he's making a case to push for. Yeah, but you I mean, being, you drive a rental differently than you drive your own car. I don't know what that what point well, that makes. I, yeah. OK, so don't take the analogy too far, but I, I think it, it it's it's a it's an interesting point about how. Um, it invokes what it does, I think, when you think about your bank account information, I think you are, because I think I see what the, what the, I think I see what you're getting at there. Naturally, you are inclined, I believe, to consider that an holistic exercise, where if you talk about cybersecurity at work, well, that's, uh, you know, that's John's team. Correct. Yes, that's right. Like, yeah, yeah and it's, yeah. it's that, it. it's that, I think it's that, that issue of focus. Like, is it a comprehensive it is a comprehensive exercise to protect something you care about, or is it some job and there's some software that pops up in your browser once in a while, it gets in your way. Right. You know? Yeah. If I, if yeah. I think about my yeah, own maybe, bank. Okay. All right. I, I change, I, I revoke my criticism. I think that is actually a, a good, a good uh, I mean, you're, analogy. The, the, you're not wrong. And I think actually what you said dovetails really here really well, because you're not wrong there. Like, my company security stuff is not my security stuff and it never will yeah. be. So you, there is a all, you know, company, the, you know, the security of company data always has that, that degree of separation, except for like, I don't know, a founder, you know, or, you know, a, you know, a CFO, you know, somebody who has, who has part, who, Unless somebody has personally tied themselves to that company mentally yeah. in some way, right. it's always going to be a degree removed. And so you're already starting off on a weaker on weaker footing in terms of getting that that emotional investment to make sure things stay secure. And we make it give, worse for give ourselves. All your employees stock. I mean, because well, okay. I'm thinking while you're saying this, like, <laughs> no, but in my mind, here's the thought process that went through my mind when you started saying that. Yeah, nobody treats it like their own unless they own the company, because unless, unless it's your so company, nobody stuff. cares yeah. as much as you do. And then I thought, no, that's not actually true, because senior executives typically behave, think, feel, behave as if it is their company. Why, because it why is would that be? Is that just because they have experience? Is that is that the attitude that got them there? Are they just, well, they, they're, inter they're literally financially interested because they have equity that's what i think like that ownership and that's i mean that's I what equity has it. always been supposed to do and i i don't think it always works no it definitely doesn't uh, always work and i and i think because because the equity that most people get is not really worth a whole lot well there's right? <laughs> i think here well yeah like if i like if but, i stand to make an extra 600 bucks at the end of the year if the company does well versus i could make 600 grand in four years if the company does well that is a different level two, of motivation. Yeah, that, you know what I mean? That is a horse of a different color for sure. 
I, I, but I think with the executives and their buy-in, I think some of that is, it's going to be a bit of both. There is obviously in most cases, there is some level of stock ownership that, or, or rev share or something Mm -hmm. that does point them in the right direction. Incentives. However, people don't get to that role to that level without understanding what is required of them to be successful. And so, yeah. So chicken in the egg. Does, yeah. yeah. Does the, does the stock help? Absolutely. Do, do most of those people understand that this is necessary in order to push yourself and the business further? Also true. Um, yeah. So yeah, ch- chicken fair. egg, chicken egg, I think for sure. But I like, so, but data care, I like this idea because it removes, it, it, it goes towards removing some of that gap, that mental gap. You know, cybersecurity as a term is just I'm like, we never talked. Here's the, this was something interesting that I was thinking about. Cybersecurity comes from cyberspace. Cyberspace, I, I don't know. I was 14 the last time I heard that term. Like it was, it was so early, like it was the early advent of the modern popular, you know, popular web, you know, dub, dub, dub. Yeah. You know, it, so we're talking mid nineties, late nineties, maybe. And then it just completely fell out of vogue because it was just such a, it was such an arcane, very kludgy, just lousy term. And now we fast forward 10, 15 years. We adopt that same stupid term when we talk about cybersecurity. And I'm sure somebody thought that the alliteration between the soft S and the soft C and cyber and the S in security, I thought that probably sounded really cool. Like, I'm sure that that's probably where it came from, but it has all the same mental connotations. It's, it just feels bleh. And it also doesn't do any favors to focus on the things that actually matter. Like, yes, you want to be secure, but that's not actually what we're concerned with. We want to take care of our data. We want to take care of our information because that's really what all of this it does, stuff is about. And so it, the term, it the term itself. Yeah, no, you're right. It refocuses and the term itself focuses on the thing that matters, which is the data. Cybersecurity is, is nothing because security is nothing. Security is nothing absent a thing you care to protect Tech, and a threat right. model against it. Right. And so right. data care brings to the forefront the thing that matters. Right. And so I think that's another part of it too. See, data care still applies if I take my if I take my data and put it on a thumb drive and bury it in the backyard. I'm still mm-hmm. performing data care. Right. Now I know where your uh, BTC keys are. Yeah, well, you've got to get through my minefield of uh, chicken crap in my backyard, thanks to the uh, the six wild uh, raptors that run around back there. Um, the so data care would still apply in that in that situation. More realistically, I have a I have a um, a section of my network that is you know that that is walled off. I have something that is not connected to the to the internet. You know, um, completely isolated. You're still doing data care. How much security are you doing there? Is the air gap considered secure? Well, yeah, like you are securing yourself by doing the air gap, but that's like it it gets the 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 term data care covers so much more and it doesn't you, you don't get bogged down in minutia of the thing, you know, of the 
you know, the thing you're protecting versus the how you're protecting it. And that, and I, I think is the, now that's the big, that's, that's the, the big, that's the big key that's because key. cybersecurity is so because hung up on the, on the protection bit on the, you know, yeah. the walls and the, and the, you know, the, the pipes. Well, and increasingly, the- increasingly more, uh, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's been a minute since the industry realized that, that prevention is not everything, right? You can build right. the wallest, the tallest, widest walls you want is not going to matter. So you've got to put more money into detection and response as much as to prevention. But your point, your point is, is germane, right? It, it, because security, again, security doesn't mean anything. And cyber never really meant anything anyway. So cybersecurity, right. it's like two nothings make a, I don't, but data care, see, not only, again, so it, it, it changes the scope of the exercise. It focuses in the term on the thing that matters. But it also just has like a, like I, somewhere uh, there's a group of people at like Ernst and Young that have been working on rebranding cyber, you know, infosec, cybersecurity, whatever you want to call it for, for years. And they're smacking themselves right now because data care is just, it's something you'd see in a PWC deck. Like it's just got that polished it just kind makes of sense. almost, yeah. it, what makes sense, but it's also, I'm just, I'm thinking on the, the, I'm thinking on the dark side now. It's almost got like a sort of like a smarmy vagueness to it. Like it's just dripping with marketing. <laughs> it's dripping you know? with But marketing. it's actually <laughs> unlike all the other crap we come up with. It's I actually think it's a really good term too. Yeah. Like two things can be true at once. Yeah, I think No, uh, I like I'm going to start using this. I'm going like, to trademark it. I <laughs> I Let think, that billionaire come at me with his lawyers, bro. I got Don't at me with your dollars, bro. i um the the other part of this that that really stuck out to me was the you know the way that it you know with the overlap with healthcare is the fact that it's it's everybody's job you know it's it it's less it it doesn't isolate it to a particular role or a particular system or responsibility or a specific policy it's just a generalized we, we, we want to take care of this stuff and whose job is that? Well, it's everybody's job because everybody uses it and you have to take care of it in a million different big and little ways. And it's I always say this, there. I say this sometimes when I, um, I don't, I don't have people that work for me that, that are routinely saying this because it's so, uh, offensive to me. But <laughs> when I, when I think there is a conversation going potentially in this direction of not my job, I am, I am, I preemptively strike. I preemptively strike with, no, it's not your job. Your job is to make the company successful, just like the rest of us. We all have the same job and this is part of it. And just because you're asked one time or find, see a, a need one time to do something outside of your JD, that's different than I'm being asked to do this distraction that's not part of my core competency over and over and over and over and over again as a habit because of a structural issue. That's something we need to deal with. That's different. But we're all constantly distracted by stuff that's not our job, quote. You do it and you shut up about it because your job is to make us successful. You are are describing to me like uh, full, it's like like we've come full circle because what you are describing is the distinction between a rock, the way we were talking about earlier, like the type of employee who's a rock Uh, and the type of employee who is just a, you know, the type of slacker that hides clock inside. Puncher. Yeah, yeah, clock. Yeah, I like clock puncher. I can get behind clock puncher. You know, the type there's of- a certain age under which they don't know what we're talking about, too, which is nice. <laughs> Do you know what makes? Oh, man. Do you know how? 
It makes me feel old. Um, my um, knowing your age. <laughs> Shut up. No, <laughs> I mean yes, but not that right now. Shut up. Also, shut up again. The symbol for save, the ubiquitous symbol for save oh, yeah. is what? It's a, it's a floppy disk. It's a floppy disk. And yep. I mean, my kids- No one have, can no, change it. No, you're not changing it at this point. You're not changing it, but- Despite their best no efforts, idea, no has. one has, I've seen attempts, but no one has successfully <laughs> no, changed there, it yet. No, there is no, I mean, that's it. That's it. Like that, it's so small and simple and iconic that- yeah, I, I see no reason to, and I don't I think love you're going to be successful. It's linguistically, one of my hobby horses is just admiring uh, anachronisms. Roll down the window, like these sorts of things that, mm -hmm. you know, like... <laughs> Roll down the window, yeah. <laughs> like my kids say that. They don't know what it means. They have they no idea. thought about it. Yeah. It's just the thing you say to make the window go up or like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, the, save, the save icon is just... Made, that made me feel old because I... I mean, I went to school at a time when I actually had papers that I would bring in oh. on floppies. That was that was entirely a thing. And you almost missed them, the capacity, because then you went to zip disks and the capacity was great, but they the reliability was such garbage. And not everybody had a zip drive either. You had the zip disks, but everyone had a zip yeah, drive. Yeah, not, not they every, weren't they as weren't ubiquitous. ubiquitous. They weren't as ubiquitous. Uh, and they, didn't, they certainly didn't last as long. And I think it's because they weren't reliable. How many, I mean, how many times do you have a zip drive, like a zip drive, eat your disk? I feel like zip disk fell to the same to the same stuff that uh, caused the downfall of um, like Blu-ray. Like it's just it was its timing. You had zip disk, and then yeah, USB yeah. sticks were like right behind it. It, it just well, it was a, it was a better version of something that was about to get obvious. That was about I was talking to, get to my obviated. team. Yes, that's we were exactly talking about right. Git last week with the team. I'll bring this full circle, and and I even made a comment about Torvalds introducing Git. Somebody asking him, "Oh, so it's like a better subversion?" And he said, "No, you can't make a better subversion because subversion sucks. Like this is not just <laughs> like so. Somebody was probably working on a better subversion, and then you know that's the school bus, and along comes the freight train of Git, like completely <laughs> obviating the entire workflow. Similar thing, I think." For, for zip drive. Oh for my sure. gosh! I started. I started the outro loop too soon. Too, uh, yeah, too early. That's all right. I got I plenty of time on it though. We're, that's we're all right. Good. That's, that's all right. That's all right. So I uh, would love to hear what you guys think about rocks and data care and uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about cloud security frameworks and and olives for some godforsaken odd reason. <laughs> If you've got opinions on any of that stuff, and I'm sure you do, we would love to hear about it. Let us know. Feedback at refactor.work is where you can reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. You can find show notes and uh, you can listen to back episodes on our website. Feedback.work is where you'll find all that stuff. If you want to find more from Chris and his writing, you can check him out at chris.tonkinson.com. You can find my my crap is over at hot coals, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. And this has been episode 117, my gosh, yeah, 117 of the Refactor Podcast, recorded on October 6th, 2023. Always a pleasure, bud. Thanks, Frank.